0: Angry about office jets, a German photo wallpaper, moon mode magic and a day to remember. It's the weekend, it's mid-March and you are listening to episode 931 of Tips from the Top Floor with special guest Don Comerachek. Tips
1: from the top. From the top floor. Tips from
0: the top. All right. From the top floor. Hey, hello there. This is Chris, back from the dead. <laughs> well, not it's just been a few weeks, not quite dead. Uh, yes, today it's a special episode because I have a special guest. It's uh, It's been an interesting few weeks. Preparations for the Eastern European electric road trip almost sold out. The second tour, the, the reverse, one mid to end of September, that one is full. Uh, the first one from Berlin to Transylvania, September 2nd to 11th, still has a couple of spots open. So uh, if you're interested to see the glory of Eastern Europe, including... Prague, Vienna, Budapest and uh, and then meet my friend and co-host Henry in Transylvania then hop on over to discoverthetopfloor.com only two spots left discoverthetopfloor.com what else? Um, I've been guest on Photo Geek Weekly I've just recorded an episode of The Two Hosers with Alan Edwich, and uh, then there was Happy Shooting of course and The Future of Photography and an episode of Curiously Polar so If you've been missing me here, then uh, yeah, I've been all over the place. Anyway, now I'm thrilled to have Don Kovarajka back on Tips from the Top Floor. Don is... Okay, let me me see if I can get this right. Don is a renowned nature, macro, and landscape photographer. He's from Canada. Originally, he now lives in Bulgaria. Um, It's almost in shouting distance to the the Eastern European photo road trip in September. Um, Don's work is amazing he teaches workshops on nature macro photography has authored and photographed several books including the popular okay i'm holding it up even though we're not recording video the sky crystals book um and of course the latest one the macro photography book the universe at our feet um don has also worked with the BBC, with discovery with national geographic i'm not worthy <laughs> don
1: how's it going Chris, it's so great to uh, to be <laughs> on on the podcast again and to be chatting. And, you know, you, you shout out my accolades and stuff. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you're in a niche in the photographic space, um, no matter how obscure it is, somebody around the world is going to need that expertise. Oh, yes. And so uh, I find it fascinating where I get calls from. I got an email from somebody uh, that is working on a book of... Uh, I don't know. They kind of said just glowy things in general. I'm not sure if that means bioluminescence or fluorescence or phosphorescence or what have you. But they they've gotten in touch with me because I'm the kind of person that can give them what they need, whether I already have it or on a commissioned uh, basis. And it's just so fascinating when when you see how far, like in, in what strange little places in the world of publications or what have you, um, that you can ply your craft. It's wonderful. I think
0: that would be a perfect title for you as well. Uh, Don Komarechka, photographer of glowy things. I, I'll that? take
1: it. I've been called worse. Glowy things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Um, what have you been up to? We haven't, well, we have talked on your show a few weeks ago, but... Um, that's a few weeks ago,
1: and you are a busy man. So, anything. Yeah, well, I mean, spring mm. has sprung here, and it's uh, the first year of moving to a new continent is basically um, a blur. You know, like so much stuff that you have to set up and uh, all of the bureaucratic processes that you have to go through. So, last spring, I really didn't get to enjoy much of it. But this year, man, I just walked through our little village and I. I just, it smells, the air here smells wonderful this time of the year. All the trees are blooming and so uh, I'm trying to relax a little bit for the first time in a very long time (laughs) to kind of take a a step back for even just a week or two and explore the beauty and, and the nature and sort of reconnect with that sort of world without a camera in my hand. Got a feeling I'm very quickly going to pick up my camera, and and that's not going to last as long as I expect it to. But um, yeah, that's what's been up in the last couple of weeks.
0: Uh, And while we, up here in Germany, we still have somewhat around freezing temperatures right now, Um, where you live is in the southeast from here, so it's much more south, it's much warmer. I remember um, last summer when I was in Romania, it felt like Tuscany, Italy, like it was it was warm it was nice it was the the plants the the vegetation is amazing everything is and great.
1: and as somebody that's made a career uh photographing snowflakes and and cold things you held be, up that, that yeah. book it's it's an interesting paradigm shift that's for sure because I don't. Um, I don't miss the snow, and I've got. I still have over a thousand unedited snowflake images mm-hmm. because you might shoot fifty of them in a day if the conditions are great. But it, when it takes you four or five hours to edit one of them, you'll always have a backlog.
0: So what? What so, will? What will replace the snowflakes?
1: Bugs? Uh, no, I, I. I'll still be doing a snowflake series every. You know, December this past December, from December first until Christmas Day, I posted a snowflake every single day. Uh, and and that's that's a good commitment to to is keep Bulgaria going. proper snowflake terrain for new photos in our backyard? No, we're close to the Black Sea, but the Bulgarian landscape is basically seven distinct mountain ranges um, and and a coastline, and it's got some really great ski resorts. Right. Um, I haven't been to Bansko yet, but it's uh, it's in the center of the country, and it is one of the uh, the greats in Europe. So. I, could, could I make it a business expense to go to a, a four you and a half should. star resort in the mountains? <laughs> of you uh, I, I think that's a possibility.
0: <laughs> Wonderful, awesome. So for this episode of Tips from the Top Floor, I've picked out a few topics that I've found interesting and that you might have a few things to say on as well. Let's dive right in. And the first one is <laughs> it's HP. I used to work for HP. Many, many moons ago. And, um, oh, and this will be good. Well, <laughs> no, I have nothing nothing to do with them anymore. Um, and I'm kind of glad when I read the next thing, because HP is ratcheting up their DRM with new printer firmware. There's like uh, some some of the office jets now require the presence of an HP chip in the in-cartridges to print at all. So... That has brought in quite some frustration from some customers um, because... As we all know, yes, if you if you print photography, if you want the best possible outcome, the best lo- longevity in terms of UV protection and ozone protection, it's often ad- advisable to use the proper inks, the proper papers, because they have been tested together and so on. But if you use an office jet in an office context with the odd table or chart or whatever that you print out, um, a lot of that happens with refilled ink and with third-party cartridges because it's just so much cheaper because let's uh, let's
1: let's be real here um those ink cartridges cost an arm and a leg so well part of it though chris if i'm not mistaken uh for those simple desktop printer setups when you buy the ink cartridge you're also and this isn't universally true but you're also buying the print head as well they kind of bundle them together
0: everything is in there pretty much yeah yeah and I, and I've spent I've spent uh, a week in an, uh, actually back in 2008 I spent an entire week in an uh, HP development and test lab for their printers in San Diego and the, that's that's where they have these big UV chambers and ozone chambers and things and they test their own inks and papers and 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 third party inks refill inks and those refill inks are often a lot worse in terms of. Um, Light stability and so on. So some of those might fade after a week or two in the sun. So uh, th- there is a reason uh, that le- at least HP gives that as a reason. The customer experience is so much better with our original links and so on. But um, up to the up to this point, you had the opportunity to um, dismiss a, a note. A notification from the printer software telling you, "Ah, this is not genuine," and you could just click that away. But now that's not possible anymore with some of their printers. Um, well,
1: and I, I find this somewhat devious because um, if they would were to allow it before, and then your uh, printer gets an uh, you know, an automatic online firmware update that you may or may not be able to opt into, right? Uh, and it could vary based on on product or you might not even, uh, you know, read. It's, oh, well, maybe there's a security issue. Printers are always uh, leaky with security bugs and so on. But one of the things that they add is that you've been using third-party ink and then all of a sudden now you can't print. Maybe you've got like a mission-critical contract that needs to come out of that printer that day. And now all of a sudden you are shut down. You can't print. And part of the deviousness of this is how... How can they do that? Because oftentimes there's a, uh, as I said, there's a lot of electronics in the cartridge as well. It's not just a, a dummy thing. And so there has to be some communication to the printer. What if, what if they put a little secret handshake in there that they put it in the chips in the cartridges, but never activated it in the printer in any way, such that the third party cartridges could get along just fine until HP decides one day to flip that switch to send the cartridge a particular code expecting a particular response back. And when that is not given, well, it's not an authentic cartridge anymore. And thereby, you have been not giving us the money that we think that you should. And uh, therein lies the frustration.
0: Initiating self-destruct sequence.
1: Boom! <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it, and, and of course, you, they, they, they are trying to argue that the, the whole business model that's the Gillette business model right you buy the printer for almost nothing and then they make up uh they make the profits with the ink and uh and sometimes the re- the f- the refill costs as much as an entire new printer with a with a entry level quarter filled cartridge or something and um and that w- of course kills their business model and they are trying to
1: make money so but they they're not they're not the only ones And uh, I had a Canon printer, and I've got a a brother one now that uses these refillable uh, little ink bottles that uh, you just, you know, fill it in and and so on. Um, And the Canon one that I had in the past, it would give me an error code saying that the absorption pads that uh, soak up all of the used ink, that they had been saturated. And then now you need a new print. (laughs) And. No, no, and then, then it put up a code that you had to call a service technician to deal with. And the service technician uh, call would have cost 80% the cost of a new printer. Yeah, was so but boring. all I had to do was play some, uh, you know, button dancing on the print, like pressing certain buttons in a certain order, cleared the arrow, printed perfectly fine for another yeah. eight months until the error came back. I had printed off that button pattern, kept that uh, stuck underneath the printer for when I needed to do it again, did it, was fine again for another <laughs> eight months or so. These companies are just frustrating. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think, and by the way, we have a, we have a
0: Canon... Uh, laser printer here a color laser and um, a- as nice as that is it keeps reconfiguring its own network stuff periodically so you end up with your printer not being named canon laser anymore but canon laser two four colon three four and it, it, it adds on numbers and hex numbers and stuff at the end of the name and it turns really unwieldy and then it doesn't work i think the whole printer Field, the whole printing field is is ripe for disruption. I want I want some white knight to ride in and just swoop it all up and make it good and nice and easy to. Anyway, let's go on to the next topic. <laughs> um, so uh, this th- th- this is for you. Okay, th- there's a very bizarre copyright case in Germany. Um, happened a few months ago. Uh, The link goes to a German article, throw that into Deeple or or Google Translate. Um, And it's a a photographer who shot a photo that he licensed to a photo wallpaper manufacturer. Okay, so could could be you, could be one of your soap bubbles or or sky crystals or anything. So you license that to a manufacturer, they make a wallpaper out of it. The, the, those were, by the way, very popular in the 70s here in Germany. I, I think they're making a comeback right now. So big, big print on the wall somewhere. And an Airbnb host, I think, or a holiday home host, um, she put photos of her property on one of those Airbnb-like sites, well, as you do. Like, you have to yeah. show what you're, what you're renting out. And, and one you of,
1: shouldn't, in this case, be... I don't know whether you should or you shouldn't be concerned um, about copyright issues in that regard. And that's what this case is about, right? Well,
0: what happened is one of the photos included that wallpaper in the background, right? It was not the main thing. It wasn't framed up as a reproduction. It was just part of the room. And uh, the photographer saw it and sued her for copyright infringement. She bought that wallpaper from a wallpaper manufacturer or from a store, put it on, uh, the photographer sued her for copyright infringement and won. Is okay. So 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 me as someone who might be, I don't know, I, I could be renting out something. I could have a artwork in the background. I could be in the same situation. It cost her, I think, a thousand euros. Um, and
1: my my gut feeling says this is wrong. This, I, I honestly think that it, the, the agreement that the photographer signed with the wallpaper company, that's really what this boils down to. If that contract wasn't worded correctly and didn't have specific clauses within that, then the photographer could have the legal right to, to sue, uh, over that. I'll give you an example here though. Uh, I, I was reading a legal contract, um, with a fairly large entity, uh, who's licensing one of my images and I'll read that there's a waiver section in there. This, I was doing this this morning before you even sent me these stories. Um, and it says that the licensor waives all legal and equitable rights related to the liabilities, claims, demands, actions, damages, and expenses. Uh, including but not limited to claims for copyright or trademark infringement, defamation, right of publicity, or any similar claim of action in tort, contract, or any other legal theory collectively claims arising directly or indirectly from the licensee's use of the image and forever releases and discharges the licensee from liability under such claims.
0: But the licensee is the wallpaper manufacturer, right? Ah, but... They, or is or state. is the, is the landlady buying a license from the wallpaper manufacturer who then who licenses it from the photo- I, This is this is no, nah, but but this, this
1: when you get into these legal framework. This what is I so you, removed a, from the actual was a whole photograph. sentence. It was yeah. a whole sentence, and it says that. You are waiving all uh, legal claims arising directly or indirectly from the use of the image. Okay. Okay. That's a statement. So the use of the image, meaning the sale of the image, indirectly the appliance of that wallpaper to the wall is indirect of the original use of the image, which you are not by this contract – Allowed to, uh, to to sue over to, to to have any claim in that regard. This contract had that language, and so if that other one did not, I, then haven't, that could open I haven't seen up the, the contract.
0: Door. Of course, um, no. Now the interesting thing is that different... And I'm not a lawyer. I... <laughs> no, no, and 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 the, the the interesting thing is that different courts here in Germany probably would have uh, handled this differently. And the, the law here in Germany says that if it's an online thing, it has, it has to do with an online... It's, it's online-related, as in she's advertising this thing online. Um, then you, as the um, as the, as, well, the photographer, can choose what court this is being trialed at. And of course, what they did, they chose the court of Cologne, which is known to be very pro-copyright um, in this case.
1: Now they can appeal this measure, correct?
0: Uh, they can. They could have uh, raised it up to the next level court. They didn't because that would have been risky and Much finan- costly, financially yeah. not very good. So, so they, so they, um, yeah, they took it out of the court and they. I don't know what the what the term for it is. They agreed on this payment and uh,
1: anyway, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you. I'll give you a a scenario here, Chris. This happens up occasionally to me. Um, I do um, uh, reverse image searches to find where Mm -hmm. my work ends up online. This is a very useful tool to discover people that are infringing on my rights, but sometimes it gets some weird hits. Earlier today, I discovered one of my images on somebody's wall, and I recognized it right away. It was a large 70 by 40 inch canvas print that I had sold at an art festival years ago. Uh, and it is showing up in the background in, uh, in photographs published by a large, uh, company, uh, showing people gathering around that there's a couch in front of it and so on. And it's prominently placed in there. I've also seen an image where somebody is in their office, hanging behind them is one of my prints and they are recording a, a motivational message being posted on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Do these scenarios constitute copyright infringement? Hmm. So th- those are those are the actual photos, you, the actual prints you sold.
0: Those are not yes. pictures ripped from online and self-printed. No, they legitimately okay, purchased them. They purchased them. Well, okay, then that that comes down to the contract.
1: What did they buy? There wasn't one. It was just cash in one hand, artwork in the other, and mm-hmm. an exchange. Um and and so in that scenario, I mean, do, do people know that they don't have a right to reproduce it and then technically taking pictures of it is reproducing it? Uh, how semantic do you want to get about the law versus people that are technically also your paying customers at that same time? Uh, and I guess it would boil down to whether or not the usage is commercial in any context. Um, say if somebody bought the print and then Hung it in the front lobby of uh, of an office, and then is using it in all their promotional material, and it's getting that type of commercial uh, level exposure. I think would be a different scenario here. Um, but again, I'm not a lawyer per se, and and, uh, and, and, and the, the Jur- courts decide these things unusually.
0: And of course, this is also very dependent on where you are, because uh, the whole uh, law around copyright will be different in Germany. In Bulgaria, in Canada, and so on. Anyway, next up,
1: <laughs> Samsung. I love this one.
0: Okay, so so I, I came across this. This has been over social media everywhere and uh, in photography circles. This is about Samsung and moon photography. So the S twenty three Ultra is a mobile smartphone, Galaxy. Yep, their flagship. Flagship, 1,000x magnification. It has a periscope lens in it, and and of course, uh, what 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 do people want to take photos of? The moon, because you cannot take pictures of the moon normally with a with a smartphone, because it gives you a black soup with a white overexposed dot in the middle. Now you can zoom in, you can get the moon fr- filling the frame, and. The phone will do things for you it'll <clears throat> it'll it'll notice oh this is a very far away object it'll look at it and say oh that's the moon and it will focus at the maximum distance at infinity it'll it'll set the focus the exposure it it, change, yeah, yeah. it drops the exposure it locks on the moon with the with the super stable stabilizer and so on and then you take a picture of the moon and that is awesome and other phones have done that and there were always discussions around is there some fakery going on is there some weird because the moon shows us the same phase more or less all the time so um, you could very or relatively easily have a database of moon photos in there and just swap them out you need some semantic analysis like okay oh this is the moon I recognize it because I have an AI built in and swap it out um, and that's the question. It was the question with other phones in the past. And it's the question here again. So um, the link for Huawei this... Huawei did it
1: before, right? And now it's Samsung.
0: I think Huawei did it, yeah. And there were those questions, and there were, there were people who debunked the claims that they were faking it. Um, lots of experiments. Of course, you don't really find out from the companies themselves what exactly they do. Um, but but MKBHD Marcus Brownlee has uh, released a video um, with uh, yeah some experiments. He he recreated some experiments that others have done, and here's how this experiment goes: you put a photo of the moon on a computer screen across a
1: couple of rooms far enough, so the phone has to focus far away. You've got like a big con- conference hall type thing, like it's yeah. a big space. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And, and, and you have it far away enough that the phone goes, oh, this is far away, this is infinity, and it recognizes it as the moon, and then it gives you a very good picture of the moon. So far, so good, off that screen, right? All the parameters are right. But then what they did is they put a blurry photo of the moon on that screen, and the phone did its thing. It says, "Oh, that must be the moon. Let me set focus to infinity, Let me drop exposure, let me lock on, lock on the stabilizer." And it brings it, it, it creates a sharp, in focus, detailed, correct image of the moon out of that blurry thing on screen. Hmm, are you okay with this, Chris? No. <laughs> okay, so so there's there's AI involved. AI is everywhere now. Um but just just for recognizing that that this is the moon, right? There's some some it's not even pattern matching. It's more like um some heuristics of sorts going on there. And uh yeah, that's one of those use cases. I don't know if there's others, but it seems from the outside that there is some weird reconstruction fakery going on here.
1: Fakery is the thing that I'd like to focus on here too because the thing is the moon is the moon. I photographed the moon. Chris, I'm sure you photographed the moon. Pretty sure every photographer at one point or another has pointed their camera at that big white circle in the sky at night. Speak for yourself. (laughs) Of course, everyone. I think I can speak for everybody at this point. But the, the, the idea is that okay, everybody wants a great picture of the moon. When you take a picture of the moon with this particular device, it's no longer your picture of the moon. It is a picture of the moon. And I don't, feel like I'd be able to take any sort of ownership of of the resulting data that it creates. But on the other side of things, how many layers go into a LiDAR-assisted iPhone photograph with so much different massaging of pixels and information to smooth this, to enhance that? And then the, the end result, though, and I think this is the key difference, is that that's my picture regardless of what has been massaged and and supported by, by the software in that magic box I call a smartphone, um, it's doing it to my image, to my scene specifically in a non-unique, non-repeatable way. And that I think I'm okay with to some degree. I mean, it all depends on the context and the subject. But when you're just blanket replacing data with something that you think should be there that isn't then yeah i don't think i'm okay with that either
0: we we could we could we could go even further and say okay what happens if someone makes makes that picture into some i don't know a print that they sell a book that they sell and then samsung goes after them for copyright infringement
1: <laughs> oh that would be devious <laughs> that would be i, very... I... I, I think that would be uh, Samsung would be roasted in the court of, of course, public opinion, of course, before anything would get to the court of law. So, but yeah, or maybe the
0: photographer who provided Samsung with those photos. Now we Ooh, could.
1: This is getting salacious.
0: Layers <laughs> all the way down. Um, but but okay, we are we are talking amongst photographers here, right? Um, my mother, who's really good with technology, she uses the internet every day and so on. Um, She uses a smartphone, takes great photos with it. Um, Would she think the same? Or would she be so happy that she can now take pictures of the moon? I don't think she would really care how this photo came to be.
1: I, I think, I don't know, if my mom were to take, if she had this phone, take a picture of the moon and she would say, Don, you should have seen the moon last night. Here, I took a picture of you. I'm going to send it to you on whatever platform would you have Um, the heart to tell her that's fake no you wouldn't uh i might depends on (laughs) depends on the mood uh depends on how happy she is that she took that photo of the moon i don't want to rain on anybody's parade if if ignorance can be bliss in that moment then maybe it should be but that is also part of the problem that people think they're getting a version of reality that isn't there and agree. I, well, I but, draw but, the line differently when it's a unique subject, you know, a photo of my family, a photo of the hiking path that I'm on, and there could be a beautiful sunset or what have you. Yes, enhance, enhance, make it feel like I had a professional camera and I was pressing all the bu- uh, knobs and dials and buttons without me actually having to do so. Um, and, but and this the, takes the whole it too far.
0: the whole topic of enhance that is here now. we have this with AI. If you um, you can now give a very blurry photo of a bird uh, into an AI, and it'll reconstruct the feathers and the details, uh, not exactly as the original photo was, but close enough that it will work in most contexts. So, enhance. Um, enhance. <laughs> last topic. Last topic. Is AI related? Cause and this goes a bit outside of photography, but I thought it was worth mentioning because we are recording this on March the 15th. Yesterday, March the 14th, was an interesting day in AI. So we, <clears throat> we've we had the, the image generators and the GPT-3s and the uh, different... Well, these are the two most uh, known and accessible use cases right now, and... Um yesterday was the announcement of GPT-4 not just the announcement it is now available people can get their I hands I had no out.
1: idea it had iterated that fast to be version 4 already Yes
0: uh, so so GPT-4 was demoed yesterday it's a, it's a large language model it is text based um it's now in the hands of paying plus customers subscribers chat GPT plus which is like a 20 bucks a month uh, there will be soon. There will be AI access, so people will build services on top of that, and it can it can do it can program often in one shot. There's an example I found online. Someone used it to program Pong and Breakout, the two computer games, each within sixty seconds.
1: Oof, that's that's impressive. Um, um, but for me, scary. It's scary. I. It's scary. Not what it can do right now but how quickly it's gotten to this point oh, yeah, from we not are an, existing.
0: This is an, an, an exponential growth right now. They have improved the what they call the number of tokens to 32,000, which is like if, if you use spoken content, let's say this podcast, to, to throw the text in there, that, that would be about three hours of spoken content, which used to be so much shorter up to now. They showed, and this is interesting, they showed a, a demo... With um, it's image processing capabilities because it will have image processing capabilities um, it can uh, it can understand photos and not just in a oh there's a cat on this photo no this cat is sitting on top of a garbage of a green garbage can that has uh, Smurf stickers on it
1: are there's, You know what I think this is going to be great for, Chris, is let's say you go and you get an X-ray or an MRI done, and your doctor gives you an opinion. That's already you happening. You could upload that data to ChatGPT, yeah. uh, and it will give you a second opinion. You can tell them what the first doctor said, and you could say, don't say that. Tell me anything else this could possibly yep. be. And this, I mean, as you said, this type of thing is already happening. Well, in
0: Europe, uh, a year, one or two years ago, Europe officially um, approved use of AI in lung x-rays, thorax x-rays. So um, those x-rays are now not being looked at by people unless the AI thinks, oh, this should be looked at. But like 95% of those are... It's nothing on them, and the eye will just filter them out and say, "Yep, fine, fine, fine." So those specialists can concentrate on the on the really hard cases, or you can save money by not hiring as many specialists, of course. Um, so what else did they do? Um, they showed a d- the image processing demo, like th- someone scribbled uh, a a web page thing in a in a in a in a notebook. With bad handwriting and a few boxes, and this goes here, and here's a button, and that so on, and that thing created the web page with HTML, which with CSS, with JavaScript, based on that napkin kind of scribble. Um, it scores fourteen hundred and ten out of sixteen hundred in the SAT. That makes it competitive for good colleges.
1: Wow. Um, so, I, I think that. When when we look back, once the singularity has happened, we'll realize that it was already happening right now.
0: <laughs> I think we are. It, we, we're not ten years away. We are uh, under a year away. As this is what it feels like right now, and it it does create some anxiety in some people.
1: So. Um, well I could imagine you know if you were a, a a crime scene sketch artist a criminal sketch artist you don't have a job anymore. Of course all of this stuff has completely replaced you.
0: I have I've recently started looking into what what is the value in photography? How do we what is what makes photography value for whom? As in will this job be taken by an AI? And there's there's this not to go too deep into it i've talked about it extensively on the future of photography and on uh on other podcasts but the, the value that there's this this whole commercial side of photography where you have a, a a client uh supplier relationship you are the supplier as a photographer the client needs some value because they want to have a photo to sell something for example th- there's a pool of suppliers they can choose from and they will f- the product photography is going away because now there are already websites where you train, uh, train the AI on your product, you take some smartphone photos from different angles, and it'll be able to place it in the Sahara Desert or in the Arctic uh, with a click of a button. That is happening that will go away. Stock photography well, will go away.
1: Photogrammetry of like just taking smartphone pictures, I remember that being a thing almost 10 years ago. And, it, and photo- it, photogrammetry was its is, then.
0: Photogrammetry is now being replaced by NERFs, neural, neural radiance fields, which are better, faster uh, taken over. So uh, anyway, that kind of photography is gone. There's of course the, the entire field of documentary photography which is going to stay because you want to document something. You cannot you cannot fake, uh, create a documentary photo. Um, well, you, you you can fake it. It's unethical to fake well, it. But... In which case do you want? Because then there's the other side of the spectrum, which is the personal photography. This is your holiday snaps, your wedding, your whatever. Because weddings are a gray area between commercial and documentary. Um, and there the value comes from what is in the photo, the memory that's depicted, the people that are depicted. And if you would train an AI on the on the couple at a wedding and create their wedding photos in the, in the Caribbean, that would not have as much value as the actual photo at home because it's not
1: a real photo. right? How about this? How, how, how about if we bridge the gap here a little bit? What if you hired an absolutely atrociously horrible wedding photographer. Their pictures are worse than using the original Canon rebel in 2023 with the kit lens and everything on automatic. It is just spitting out garbage and the person has no talent whatsoever. It's not even technically high resolution or high quality, but could you then, uh, and, and shame on you for hiring that photographer. You should do better research, but let's say you're in this scenario. Uh, What if you could feed those images into an AI that would generate skillfully crafted uh, scenes with the same people in the same position, much better lighting, much more flair and drama and an artistry that the artist was lacking to begin with?
0: Let me put this in a more devious scenario. Um, you are the photographer. <laughs> you know you aren't a good oh, photographer. There we go. You take those pictures. You do all the theatrics you need to do so people believe that you're a good photographer. You have the right looking camera. You you look the job. You come home with garbage photos. You feed them in the AI, and all you deliver is doctored photos. As long as they do not see situations that haven't happened, that they are positive didn't happen they would probably be very happy about the great photos that that wonderful photographer took of them and would recommend them even so
1: yeah um that's the future i i think that that if it's not happening within the next year, uh, it, it will be everywhere in the next five.
0: Anyway, um, GPT-4 announced yesterday. Google announced yesterday they want to bring Palm, their p- Pathways language model, this f- competition to GPT-4, uh, to Google Docs and Gmail and other stuff they have online. Um, there will also be an API. There's other... Yesterday was a big API announcement day from different uh, companies, uh, all gearing towards becoming the our overlords. Um in photography I see a few good uses for that. GPT-4 for example with its it's not yet in there but it will be in there They demonstrated the image recognition, you could have automatic automated captions, descriptions, um accessibility would be skyrocketing because every photo would have a a good caption not just a few words that someone typed up to 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 not have to do more um there's a company they partner with be my eyes.com which now has a gpt4 they had access they had early access a gpt4 powered app for blind people you pointed at something and it'll that tell you what's revolutionary. there revolutionary it is that it is happening so it's already happening be my um you could you could even go and have I don't know, photo edit suggestions and maybe even chain that up with something that then edits the photo. Like we already have some of that. We throw in bad photos and get something artificial, intelligently enhanced. Um, We could, well, many, many different things. A shot list. Let's generate a shot list uh, for this thing Um, and so on. There's like a, a million different ways you could use these things in photography, if you will still be doing actual photography. So, hmm,
1: <sighs> AI. It's, it's hard to say, you know, I think photography as an art form um, will always exist. I mean, it's whether or not it remains in the hands of hobbyists uh, or professionals. And I think that the the number of professional photographers, and we've seen this uh, for years, even before this AI revolution. I mean, how many newspapers actually have a uh, you know a, a staff photographer anymore? Maybe they have one, and and that's it. Where there used to be an entire department for that particular purpose, that's all gone away. And these professional photography jobs are continuing to decline. This is going to be another nail in that particular coffin but i think that the hobbyist environment will always be there and i think the value that uh anybody who has an interest in photography is partly in the genuineness of what they are capturing about the world around them and and that's that there's no substitute for that i'm i'm
0: with you there um we are seeing a democrat democratization of things here as we've seen before like publishing went entirely from the big pro houses to desktops uh radio has been disrupted by podcasting commerce has gone online so brick and mortar isn't as important as it used to be and so on um and photography will, I, I, I believe there will be more value for some circles, more value being placed on actual photography, on real photography, because it's human made, it's unique. it the same that you see kids now um, flocking to Instax, Fuji Instax, because it's unique, it's handmade, it's one of a kind. Analog. Yeah. Analog and yeah, niche.
1: It's, it's another niche forming here, but that niche... My, my daughter, who's seven, loves the Polaroid Go that we have. Yes. And it's sort of like the Fujian Stacks. Um, and uh, I had some film in it that was pretty much expired. Only a couple of the frames had turned out. And she was so excited when we were in a technology store recently. And she pointed to it and she said, Daddy, we can get more film. And I look at the price of the film and I'm like, Oof. Not today. <laughs> so we're gonna wait a while so are our jobs in danger well the the the
0: the 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 thing i heard recently and i don't know who said it but i'm using it here is your job will not be taken by an ai your job will be taken by a photographer using ai we're still well, here to handhold somebody the say AI. that
1: i heard somebody say that about law as well you know as oh, a yeah, lawyer
0: lawyers will yeah. be disrupted big time of course there's a there is a law firm that uses a i and that is now trying to get that um to 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 legally be able to appear in front of judges and uh and argue cases
1: oh what about an a i judge How about that
0: oh yeah and then and then we'll be out at the beach while they fight things out for us so <laughs> what a future hey uh don thank you so much for coming on tips from the top floor
1: i want you back um and uh yeah happy to be back on anytime I and mean, we're only one time uh, uh one hour time difference apart now Yay. so uh, no so much easier
0: <laughs> okay don um uh, where will where will people go if they want to find out more
1: about you you can go to doncom.ca, or actually, doncom.bg also works. Uh, D O N K O M dot bg let's say that just redirects to my uh, website as it already is but um, you'll find the links to my social media stuff there I'm pretty active on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Flickr although I really dislike the meta platforms there's still a big audience there so I hang around but hey are, send me an email You, want are, to you talk a about anything?
0: are you on Mastodon? tell me you're on Mastodon not
1: yet I am not on Mastodon Chris are you going to be the one that finally twists my arm hard enough to get me on Mastodon I'll, we'll do this offline but yes yes Yes, you need to go. Okay. All right, Don, thank you so much
0: and take care. that was it for today thank you so much for listening thanks for subscribing thanks for leaving a rating or review wherever you get your podcast you are awesome and of course thanks to don for stopping by make sure to visit his website as well at don.com.ca d-o-n-k-o-m.ca as always you can leave feedback for the show at tfttf.com slash hi that's tfttf.com slash hi stephanie has done just that she asks Hey, I've been missing the episodes. When will tips from the software be back? Well, here we are. <laughs> thanks for missing me. Uh, tfttf.com slash hi is where you can leave your feedback. Also, thanks to all of you. Support the show on Patreon. Patreon is, is great, not just as a financial support means, but as a morale boost, because um, that helps me get moving to make new episodes. So... Uh, patreon you can start supporting the show and by the way you can also support many other of your f- uh, favorite creators starting at a dollar per episode thanks all for supporting creators find out more at tfttf.com support oh and if you support the show on patreon not only will you be among the first to get to listen to it the patreon release is always first before the public release And again a reminder, the Eastern European Electric Photo Road Trip in September is over half sold out, two spots left. Historic Eastern European cities, Transylvanian landscapes and villages. It's a unique 10-day experience full of beauty and rich history and culture. Go to discoverthetopfloor.com. To find out more, discoverthetopfloor.com. And now go out and take amazing photos. Be nice to each other. And of course... Happy shooting.